We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. And joining us today is everybody's favorite cast member, Nick Wagner. He covers the 49ers for ESPN. And we're just going to kind of crack open this season ahead of the NFC Championship game, talk about how we got here, and talk about some of the storylines leading into the NFC Championship. Let's get into it. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. All right, Nick, I want you to think back, and Chris, I want you to think on this as well, because I also want you to answer this question, but I'm going to start with our guest because that's what a good host does. Um, Nick, I want you to think back to week nine. The 49ers have just lost to Colt McCoy and the Cardinals at home, uh, 31-17 to in a game that really wasn't as close to the final score. I visit you from the future, and I say, hey, the 49ers are in the NFC Championship game, by the way. You say what? Uh I say you're a liar. Um, I say you're a liar about being able to travel. Uh, through time, <laughs> but, let's get uh, into the, let's break but, this down. Right, right, right. There's, there's many reasons I call you a liar in that scenario, but yeah, I mean, look, it's funny because even after they lost that game, I think I tweeted something a couple of days after that about like, yeah, I realize they're three and five, but look at the bottom of the NFC. It's terrible. Like, you know, I think they could still make the playoffs. I know nobody wants to hear that right now because they just lost to the JV Cardinals, but but kind of the reality of the situation is, is who look around the NFC and who's better. Now I say that to say, I still would have never thought that even if they got into the playoffs, which I still thought was a possibility then that they would be able to get to the NFC championship game because they needed a lot of things that needed to turn around. And the problem with that Cardinals loss wasn't just that they lost and they looked terrible to a, a team that didn't have most of their key players in that game. It was, it pushed them to three and five and it wasn't, it wasn't like, it was like, Oh, this is just an aberration in the midst of a good season. It was like, this is rock bottom in what's looking like a bad season. And so uh, when you look at it that way, I would have thought it was very far fetched that they would be sitting where they are right now. But I also thought that they are a better team than what their record shows, at least talent wise. 
and the bottom of the NFC was so bad that they still had a chance to at least get into the dance. But if you'd asked me how far are they going to advance, I would have said to the postseason, very, very real possibility still, maybe win a game there depending on the matchup, and that's probably about it if I'm being honest about it. Yeah, the, the thing that stands out to me thinking back about thinking back to that that game they had lost four straight, right? And then they went to Chicago and they won. And there were some positive developments in that game. And you're like, all right, maybe they're snapping out of it a little bit. Maybe uh, maybe those early season doldrums are a thing of the past, if you will. And then they turn around and lose to the Colt McCoy-led Cardinals. And you're like, nope, this is this is the team that lost four in a row. This is this feels a lot more like who they are. That That month straight of losing feels legitimized by this loss. I think that was really the most jarring thing about it. And then since then, you know, in that game, they allow what was 163 rushing yards. And then they just sort of turned the faucet off with the defensively in terms of, you know, the running game, their next three games in terms of, in terms of rushing total allowed by the defense, 52 yards, 54 yards, 67 yards against uh, the Rams, Jacksonville and, and Minnesota. And that, that had always been sort of the tone-setting thing about the defense. It was like, they're going to take away the run, they're going to allow passes underneath and, and be a good tackling team and not prevent explosives. Like, that's sort of what they were. In that Cardinals game, they allowed a lot of explosive, explosive plays. The running game basically did whatever it wanted. They couldn't tackle anybody. And so it was super jarring on top of, you know, the, the turnovers that, you know, giving the ball away on offense as much as they were, right? They were turning the ball mm-hmm. over a lot and not getting takeaways. So... I think from that standpoint, there was all the Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance discussion, but defensively, it was like, man, if they're not going to tackle anybody and if they're going to allow explosive plays like that stuff, you know, it seems more difficult to correct than just the turnover. So like you can clean up turnovers more, I think more so um, than those other things that seemed wrong at the time, but then the Niners snapped back pretty quickly, right? They snapped back. They had that Rams game and they, they blew them out 31 to 10. Um, in that Monday night game. And that was really the game that, that turned the whole season around. And of course it's, it's pretty fitting now that the two biggest regular season games of the year, in my opinion, that, that Rams game that broke them out of that three and five sort of slump they had to, um, to kick off the the second part of their season. And then of course the week 18, they week 18 game that got them into the playoffs. I was, it's, you brought up turnovers and I was kind of trying to think like, what was the biggest key to the turnaround? And I just did a post over at Niners wire, the, the, the 10, the 10 moments that define their kind of second half turnaround. And I found so many of them were like different turnovers in, in, in games. There was the Jimmy Ward, couple interceptions against the Rams. Aziz Alshire had a big interception against the Vikings. Um, they just, it felt like every game they started coming up with plays. They, they weren't making early on in the year, but I'm with you guys like at at week nine, like by that point, teams typically kind of are who they are. And those early season uh, hiccups that come from not getting a full preseason and, you know, guys still knocking some rust off. It seemed like there was more to it than that. What, what do you guys think was, because for me, it's like they just started getting turnovers and stopped giving the ball away so much. Um, is there, is there a bigger key that, that jumps out to one of you guys? Yeah. I mean, I think when you're right. And George Kittle says it all the time, right? He's like, it really wasn't some magic formula. It was just, let's win the turnover battle and let's do better on third down. And they were really good in the red zone offensively. And even defensively, they were good in the red zone in terms of holding teams to field goals and things like that. And and so 
some of those just kind of basic metrics that you use. And, and I'm, I'm someone who like when I evaluate and, and analyze football, I like to use numbers and I like to look into like, you know, to, to match it up with what I'm watching. But I do think that, and I like, it's weird for me to say this because I, I prefer that kind of logical way to look at it, but I just think there's something about this team on an intangible level that is really hard to measure. Like you just can't say like, what is it? And I wrote about this the other day the, on, on ESPN.com, like the toughness of this team that like, yes, they want to be tough in terms of like brute force and just run you over and punch you in the mouth and all that kind of stuff. But like, they're kind of like their mental toughness. It just, it really is special. And, and, and it's, it's hard to like kind of put that even into words. But um, I, I think when you look at just the way they're built and, and to be honest, I think a lot of it spins off of Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, like I, I know that he takes a lot of criticism and I understand why. And, and obviously some of the numbers and things haven't been that good, but the way that he has handled everything uh, this year and how to kind of confronted it head on, I think that has been really important for them because there was a lot of ways that this season could have gone awry and distractions that popped up and things like that. But there's something about this team that there's just, a, it's just a group of guys who they seem to really care about each other. They've got, I think 26 guys on the active roster who were on the 2019 team. And a number of those guys were on the team together even before that, which is very rare. Like you don't see that many guys still on a team two years later. Um, and so I think that it's easier for them to kind of put it on the line for the guy next to them. And I know that sounds cheesy, but I really do think there's something to be said for it because of what they went through during that three and five stretch during that losing stretch. Um, and then even in some of these games down the stretch where they finally started winning, because even if you go back to the beginning of the year, they were losing close games. You know, it wasn't like the Packers blew them out. It wasn't like the, the Cardinals the first time blew them out. They were, you know, they were Seattle. They were right there in those games. So you feel like that's going to normalize at some point, but it didn't just normalize. It, it it actually shifted to the Niners' advantage where they're winning these games that maybe earlier in the year they weren't, and they're doing it on a consistent basis. So I think it's kind of a combination of all of those things. Yeah, and, and to piggyback off that, like you can go back to Kyle Shanahan's first year. This team started out 0-9, right? And there aren't a ton of guys that were on that team, but just the coaching staff, the the organization as a whole, like they know what tough times are like, right? Like they start 0-9. Uh, they get Jimmy Garoppolo. There's a whole bunch of optimism going into the 2018 season. Then Garoppolo gets hurt week three. 2018 is basically a lost season, right? Then 2019 happens and they they're kind of a rocket ship, right? Just to the, to the top of the league. And they're the number one seed And that season. I mean, they, it was kind of smooth sailing, right? Like they were just blowing everybody out. There wasn't a ton of adversity that season. There was, there was adversity, but not at the level of obviously 2020, right? When they lose all their guys to injuries and, and they have to deal through that. They have to deal with that. So I, I think you can go back even further than that three and five start to look at maybe some of the the adversity that this team went through in terms of creating that that um, that toughness, that mental fortitude it takes to, to bounce back from some tough t- situations. And they say, look, you know, yeah, we're down 17 nothing in, in the half, but that's not nearly as bad as it, in the first half of a game. As, that's not nearly as bad as it was when we lost Nick Bosa in week two in, in 2020, right? right? Or even losing Jimmy Garoppolo in 20. It's like you can go, th- this team has a whole lot of, memories in the back of their head that they can turn to and say that was real adversity this is just a three score deficit right so I think there's an element of that to this team too and the fact that they've been there like they know what it takes it to to go through a deep playoff run so it's not like you know this is completely foreign territory for a lot of guys on this roster so that to me I, I think 
the combination of, you know, the three and five start, the mistakes they were making, the things they needed to clean up on top of everything that happened, you know, sort of 2018 through 2020 shaped what this team has become. And and right now that's, you know, I mean, they're, they're here, they're in the NFC title game. So they're one, they're obviously one of the most dangerous teams in the league. And, and I'm fascinated to see how this game's going to go because of the six game winning streak, the 49ers have against the Rams and, and whether or not that's just going to continue or whether the Rams are going to battle back and, and that, you know, they're, they're going to use some of, some of that, you know, I don't want to say motivation because there's going to be plenty of motivation, but they're going to use that 0-6 run as as fuel against the 49ers. That- yeah, and I, sorry, Kyle, I just want to throw in real quick. I, I want to be clear, too, when I say that I think the Niners are the toughest team remaining, like, mentally. Like, I think part of that is, like, what, how are you uh, making up for the fact that you don't have a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen or one of those, you know what I mean? Like I, the, the, the Niners have to compensate for that in some way. And I'm not saying that to throw shade at Jimmy Garoppolo. It's just the reality of the situation. We know that he's a mid-level starting quarterback in the league. And I think they do that with their toughness. And I think a lot of that stems from the coaches also, but I also want to be clear. I'm not saying the Niners are just getting by on toughness. This is a really talented team. There's a lot of really good players on this team. And the other big thing, Kyle, and I wrote about this at the time, Kyle Shanahan talked about it. I think Chris even asked about it was they started getting a a level performances from their a level players, guys like Warner who wasn't playing up to his, his, his level that you expect from him earlier in the year started to come on. George Kittle got healthy, all those different things that, that play into it too. Go ahead, Kyle. Sorry. I just think what, what, you guys are kind of saying here is something that remember that that talking point and I, I i know you guys aren't as buried in like the 49er fan bases as i am in terms of being online and stuff i'm just perpetually on the internet um there was this like talking point of kyle shanahan isn't the right coach for the 49ers and that felt asinine at the time but just the way they've bounced back and i mean you guys mentioned 2017 Teams check out at 0-9, but the 49ers won their final five games. Um, teams in 2018, they lose their starting quarterback. Um, and I know they went four and twelve or whatever it is, but they never like quit. Like they never they they won a couple games down the stretch that year. And then same thing in 2020. Like they were still in the playoff hunt until what week 14, 15, uh, with that loss to the Cowboys, I think really knocked them out. But um, that was always something that that stuck out. And I think this year you kind of saw the fruits of that, like Chris was saying, when they had all their players healthy, like they were able to bounce back and stay in the hunt with Nick Bosa, with Fred Warner, with Jimmy Garoppolo, with Debo Samuel and George Kittle. And that's that's something that, you know, going back to kind of the the original question here, when you talk about the 49ers being in the NFC championship, it's not so much like, oh, man, how did they pull this off? Like all the pieces make sense. If you just kind of go backwards from today through 2017, kind of like Chris laid out, you can see where this foundation was kind of laid for them to be a team that goes three and five in the first nine weeks and then rattles off, you know, nine of their next 11. You remember that week 10 game against the Giants when the 49ers won and they got their first win of the season. Mm -hmm. They like treated that like a, in terms of the way they celebrated like a playoff victory. Yeah. Like they were rowdy. They were jumping around in, in the locker room. Like the thing that I'll remember about that 2017 team, aside from the Jimmy Garoppolo trade and, and coming in and playing really well when he was finally made the starter was just like, it didn't feel like 
they were checking out to your point. Like they, they were a team that was very much bought in. They were, they were very realistic about the process and and where they were and the fact that they basically were turning over the entire roster, um, implementing a new system, getting a lot of young guys playing time, you know, George Kittle and, and Trent Taylor and, um, just a lot of like late round guys and, and, you know, who, who, you know, we, and we go, we fast forward to this season and not a lot of late round guys are getting playing time. Like they were at that point. Like, so it was, it was very clear that in the winning might not be there, but a foundation was, was being put in place. And, and culture is a really big deal in the NFL. Like if you've, you know, Nick's been here covering the team since the Chip Kelly season, like there was, no positive winning culture coming from the organization at that point. It was, it was Trent Balky trying to duct tape everything together and sort of, you know, rekindle what they had prior, but they weren't doing it by adding any real elite talent. It was, I, it was hard to explain just exactly what the thinking was. It was the, you know, Jim, <laughs> uh, with, you know, Chip Kelly after the Jim Tom Sula and Trent Balky saying, you know, we're going to reload. This isn't a rebuild situation. Like Kyle Shanahan was very clear. This is a rebuilding situation. Everybody in the in the building understood that, um, and this is what they've been building to. You ultimately want to build to, uh, you know, create a program that can contend for a Super Bowl year in and year out, and that now seems like the the trajectory the 49ers are on as an organization, because you know they can do it now despite having some clear issues on the roster that you know Kyle and I have talked about. Nick, we've we've all talked about throughout the season. Like they had some very clear issues. But intangibly and with a foundation that they've built organizationally, they've been able to overcome those and, and sort of be, you know, a sum greater than than uh, or, or greater than the sum of their parts is what I'm trying to say. So um, yeah. that I think like you can trace that all the way back to 2017. Yeah. It, you know, I, I've told this story before, but I, I, it was funny the other night when Fred Warner was asked, like, how they keep pulling off games when nobody thinks they can. And he said just got a bunch of guys who love football and I like the, the alarm bells went off in my head because I was like, Oh, that sounds a lot like something I heard from Kyle Shanahan five years ago. I remember sitting in Kyle Shanahan's office. It was the first training camp that he was the head coach. It was my first one-on-one with him. Nice. And uh, he, he he's told me this story about when he was a red shirt freshman at, at Texas and it was finals in December. And they had this day where there was supposed to be like a scrimmage for the red shirt guys, which, you know, Hey, this is their opportunity to go out and prove themselves, get a step ahead for the following season and all that kind of stuff. And there were eight guys on the team that had a final in this class the same day and the same time as the scrimmage, seven guys went and took the final Kyle Shanahan didn't, he got, he got like a zero on it and he got a D minus in the class. So he got just enough to pass the class and he didn't care because he felt like he was there for football. Like, the only thing he cares about, I'm here to get, I'm here, I'm here for football. He knew what he wanted to do with his life. And that was what he was majoring in and not whatever the class was. And I remember at the end of that, I, I was like, so what are you looking for in players? And he was like, I want 53 guys who are willing to skip the final. And to hear Fred Warner say like, oh, we got a team full of guys who love football. Like it just rang because it was like, this is now ingrained in what Kyle Shanahan has built here. And I think that speaks to what their culture is and why they have a chance to, you know, do something special for the second time in three years. And and why Kyle Shanahan probably will never be a college coach. (laughs) That too, too, absolutely. I'm calling BS on that because the next off season, he went and got Kyle Juszczyk, who is definitely not a skip the final guy. You can't go to Harvard and skip finals. 
I think so I'm calling I think BS. Kyle Juszczyk would skip the final. I think he would. Did you know at Harvard they don't get to play in the FCS playoffs because it interferes with their final schedule? <laughs> I didn't. That's know that. literally a thing. That's crazy to me. Anyways, I just wanted to make a Kyle use check went to Harvard joke and I derailed the conversation. Go me. You know who else went to Harvard? I'm doing a Ryan great job. <laughs> Get the hell out. What? That's I don't know crazy. if that's out there, but yeah, yeah. No, but just to just to just to kind of rewind and bring this back, I think that personality is part of what when people talk about, oh, the Niners just punch you in the mouth. Oh, the Niners are so tough. I think it has a lot to do with that personality and that culture that they've kind of instilled. Like that's why they can come back from 17, nothing down. And it feels like after their first drive of the second half, it's like, Oh, they just broke the Rams. will. the Rams are done. They've they're, they're done playing in this game. Um, it, it's why it happened a little bit. It felt like the Packers offensive line quit after the second drive. Um, and maybe that's just because the Niners are so dominant. It just looks that way. But I think that that stuff matters. And it, it is that, that intangible thing that you can't, you obviously can't quantify toughness or trying to think of a less cheesy way to put it than heart but like there's something to be said for the team that's going to try harder for longer and it just seems like the Niners are going to just outwork everybody and that's on they have that mentality on top of talent and that's why they're able to put together the put together a bunch of wins despite pretty consistently having the worst quarterback in an era where typically the team with the best quarterback wins. Yeah. And I'm glad you, you brought up the quarterback thing. And, and I know Nick mentioned it a little bit earlier, but like, look, Jimmy Garoppolo is nowhere near Aaron Rodgers, right? Like he's, right. he's nowhere yeah, near Russell I mean, Wilson. Right. But those guys, you know, it, it, Jimmy Garoppolo had plenty of opportunity to be disgruntled, right? He had every opportunity to ask for a trade after the 49ers moved up to get Trey Lance. He had every opportunity to, you know, try to just create chaos or create drama during the offseason. And that never really happened. And now you're sort of seeing the fruits of that. Like Aaron Rodgers has this weird offseason. He's at odds with the Packers. And then all of a sudden Aaron Rodgers is not playing particularly well in, in, you know, when the Packers need him most. And I don't know if there's a direct correlation, but I don't think it's pure coincidence that Rodgers didn't have a great game against the Niners in, in, in that playoff game on, on Saturday. And, you know, like who knows what Russell Wilson's odd non-trade request with with Seattle was last off season. Like how did that impact the fact that the Seahawks season this year and the fact that, you know, they didn't make the playoffs for a team that is always in the playoffs. Like, I feel like that stuff matters. And I think it matters in, in Jimmy Garoppolo's case because like, Jimmy Garoppolo, his production is what it is. And like his throws are what they are in terms of just, he's very prone to throwing interceptions and interceptable passes and all that. But like the intangible stuff with him, like he's still a leader of the team. He's still a guy, the guys very clearly rally behind. And that stuff matters. That stuff has a tangible impact. And ultimately, you know, I think going off everything that Nick said in terms of the toughness and the intangible stuff, like, that is Jim. That's Jimmy Garoppolo's most valuable trait, right? To this team in particular, is the fact that like quarterback will... sneaks, though. What's that? Quarterback sneaks, though. You forgot about that. Well, yeah, undervalued. Under, right. Very sure. undervalued skill. Yeah, undervalued skill set. Um, but in terms, like in terms of why Jimmy Garoppolo is the right guy for this team at this time, like that's what you point to, or at least that's what I point to. 
And it was harder to get there when they were three and five, right? It was harder to be like, well, Jimmy Garoppolo has equity of the locker room. It's like, yeah, but they're three and five and you already drafted Trey Lance. Like, what's the point? But Kyle Shanahan and everybody else in the building saw it that like, no, Jimmy's our guy. He's the guy that everybody rally around. like rallies around. Like he's the guy that, that we need to keep as a starting quarterback. And ultimately it paid off, right? Because I think some of that manifested in the fact that they need a touchdown with a minute, 20 seconds left against the Rams to save their season. And then Jimmy goes and does it right. Like that's, that's ultimately a difference between, you know, again, Jimmy Garoppolo is not comparable to Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, but Jimmy Garoppolo was also like a model citizen and a good teammate through a very awkward situation during the off season. And he handled it drastically different than those guys. And I don't think it's a coincidence that you see the 49ers as this team that quote unquote intangibly like has it They're They're, they're that team that um, is more together than, than some of the other teams that they've played. I, I, I spent some time by the time this podcast comes out, my, my piece on Jimmy Garoppolo uh, with a full link will be out. Uh, will be out. And, and I, I spent some time, I spent some time, I spent some time uh, talking to Alex Smith this week and one of the things Alex was talking about, and Alex is, he's, you know, he's kind of unique because he's been in both shoes, right? Like he was the the franchise savior who was drafted really high, like Trey Lance, and was 20 years old when he got here. And he was also in the shoes of Jimmy Garoppolo a couple of times, but especially in Kansas City when they had Patrick Mahomes. And one of the things Alex Smith said that I thought was interesting was he said, I love that Jimmy Garoppolo confronted this head on and never shied away from it. He never shied away from it with the media. He never shied away from it with the coaches. He never shied away from it with the players. And Kyle Shanahan, I asked him about that yesterday, and he gave a great response about how, like, this is the reality of the situation. When you don't beat around the bush, everybody kind of knows what the deal is. It was a huge factor for us this year. And so I, I think just like thinking of little moments like Kyle Juszczyk going up to, to Jimmy Garoppolo before that game in L.A. and saying like, hey, man, if this is our last ride together, like I really appreciate that. Like a lot of players, if they did, if Jimmy Garoppolo didn't address that head on, Kyle Juszczyk would have probably not felt comfortable enough to go up to Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> and say that. And those are the types of things, though, that, that matter, right? Because Garoppolo knows that those guys rally around him, they care about him, and that they want to win, and they want to keep the ride going so that they can extend it for as long as possible. So it, 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 those are the little moments in seasons like this that, that turn out to be special. And I think we would all agree that this season has already turned out special. No matter what happens on Sunday, it has a chance to be more special, of course. But those are the things that kind of lead into getting to this stage that other teams maybe don't have because uh, they don't have that same kind of you know camaraderie or whatever you want to call it. So I want to I want to stick on this Jimmy Garoppolo thing because I think this is fascinating. Kind of just everything you guys are saying about the intangible aspects of of what he brings. Again, going back, if you can go back, knowing what you know now, you know everything about how this season plays out, how Garoppolo handles it, where the 49ers end up. Uh, Chris, would you change your mind on the idea that Trey Lance should have started week one, knowing everything you know now? If I knew they were going, they could have, they could go yes. to the NFC championship you know game. That, so you we're going know back to August. In the NFC, yes, you know they're in the NFC championship game. Jimmy Garoppolo handles everything the way he does. It may or may not have galvanized the team and helped push them on the run. I mean, yeah, if, if I had the luxury of knowing they would be in the NFC championship game right. with Jimmy Garoppolo, I would say they should play Jimmy Garoppolo. But remember, I'm time traveling. Yeah, but I, I will. I, I my point, my take will always be that the 49ers could have gotten as far sure. with Trey Lance. Sure. Like, I, I know Trey Lance is a rookie. I know he was very rough around the edges. 
but I think, you know, they probably would have started off pretty poorly with Trey Lance, like just like they did with Jimmy when they went three and five. But I think in the Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel are adaptable enough and there's enough talent on the roster off, particularly offensively that they could have really got rolling with Trey Lance by incorporating his legs, figuring out what he's good at. Eventually Debo Samuel would have been used as a, as a wide back, which became apparent after that, after that lost Arizona. Um, so yeah, to, to answer your question, like you absolutely knowing that you're going to make the NFC title game, you absolutely stick with Jimmy. Sure. But I, I still think they could have been a real force with, had they made Trey Lance a starter from the jump. What about you, Nick? Yeah, you know, you guys both know that I, I was like maybe the only person in, in Bay Area media who didn't have a super strong opinion about this. Like, I, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I wasn't like, I, I really, you guys know, right? Like, I wasn't diehard, like, oh, it's got to be Lance or it's right. got to be, like, I kind of saw both sides of it. And so, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think, I didn't think it was the wrong decision then. I don't think it's the wrong decision now, obviously, now that we know the, what the results are. But to Chris's point, I'm also not going to sit here and say, oh, I know what they would have looked like if they had plans. I think right. there would have been bumps in the road. Could they have been three and five with Trey Lance? Probably because there were some there were some games in there that heck they could have been four and four. I mean, there was games in there that were winnable that you know if you get a play or a guy like Trey Lance can maybe make something happen and you win the game. Uh, it's different, but um, yeah, I don't I don't have an issue with how they handled it in terms of actually deploying the quarterbacks. Uh, the issue that I had with the way they handled it, at least early on was that we were getting mixed, mixed messaging. Um, but that's more of a media thing. The fans don't care about that. So, uh, but in terms of how they handled it, I think they've handled it well. And again, the way that the actual people involved in it have handled it, I think has been huge for this team because it very easily could have been a distraction. When you go from like a quarterback, like, situation to a controversy i think i've used that term before like that's when things go awry and it never really was a true controversy kyle shanahan said yesterday there was really never a time where i considered going to trey full time now he considered that possibility that the season was slipping away and if it had he was going to go to trey but it never got to that point and so um I, i think we have to give them credit for how they handled it at least internally because really at the end of the day that's all that matters it doesn't matter what they say to schlubs like me so and me. You're more than a schlub. <laughs> I've got you north of schlub on the person meter. Oh, okay. I, we'll have to we'll have to dive into what the meter looks like later on because yeah, I'll you do this. North of schlub doesn't necessarily mean major upgrade, but um, <laughs> yeah. No, I just I don't know. Just give yourself just give yourself more credit than that. That's all. That's yeah, all you know. All right. Keep Your the smart rating pretty high. Oh, easier to jump over the bar that way. <laughs> <laughs> I found that if you have a goal, you might not reach it. (laughs) Yeah. I just, I'm, I'm fascinated by the idea of what they would have looked like with Trey Lance. And obviously we won't know, but do you guys, where do you guys think that Kyle Shanahan was being truthful when he said that like, just trying to incorporate a second quarterback was just too hard. And that's why he pulled the plug. Or do you think there was something going on behind the scenes that, that he didn't think that the quarterback situation would play out the way he wanted it to if he was trying to, you know, if he was pulling Jimmy Garoppolo in the red zone with regularity and Trey Lance is getting these touchdown passes and these touchdown runs, that that was going to create some kind of uh, fracture that didn't exist in the locker room. I, I think he was being truthful almost in a selfish way in terms of how it was affecting his own play calling and getting into a rhythm. And he's kind of acknowledged that, you know, he, he's he's made reference to, how hard it was for him to 
uh, trying to put in packages and then in getting into a rhythm with a play call and then having the different stuff that you have in for Trey Lance and trying to switch those out. I think that was part of it. I think of the other part of it was, is they felt like Trey Lance as training camp went on that he tailed off a little bit and wasn't as good as he was early on. And the other thing that Kyle Shanahan made reference to, uh, I think it was on Monday was talking about how he didn't feel like the team was there. Like he didn't feel like the team was in a position where putting Trey Lance in would be beneficial for Trey. And I think that's a huge thing that no one wanted to really think about. But when you put, when you want to put in a rookie quarterback who you have high hopes for, and you're not sure that your team is good enough, that's a, that's a recipe for long-term disaster, which is something they certainly wanted to avoid. You don't want to throw him in there and get him beat up or have him throwing picks or, or hurt his confidence. So that was a huge part of the process also. I personally, again, as someone who didn't have a super strong opinion about it, I liked the idea of Garoppolo with sprinkling Lance in, and I would have liked to have seen them continue that. I also understand why they didn't keep doing it. And, you know, like you look at, how the 49ers were playing throughout the season, like the best opportunity to play Trey Lance really felt like in the red zone and without him, they were the best red zone team in the NFL. So that was, you know, that there wasn't like this screaming need to, to get Trey Lance in there aside from just giving him those developmental reps and Kyle Shanahan, you know, I think I agree with Nick in that, you know, I had heard from, you know, inside the building that, Trey Lance did tail off at, at the, you know, in the midpoint of training camp. And then as the season got going, and I think obviously, you know, it's tough to play at a high level when you're just not getting practice reps. Right. So like Trey Lance was not getting practice reps. All of those were going to Jimmy Garoppolo because that's just how the season works. And then if you're Kyle Shanahan and you're seeing that and the team is doing well in the red zone during this, during this whole time, like, yeah, it you don't absolutely have to play Trey Lance in, in that scenario. So I, I agree with with the the way like in having high, in in hindsight now like it it definitely makes sense right like why Kyle Shanahan handled it the way he did, um, but I'll always wonder like what this season would have looked like and what the ceiling of the offense would be like had Trey Lance just if like if the 49ers traded Jimmy Garoppolo as soon as they decided to draft Trey Lance like if if Trey Lance would have ridden this trajectory and benefited from all the practice reps and all the game reps he would have gotten, um, you know, that, and that's a question we'll never have the answer to. I guess we'll have a better idea next year, presumably when Trey Lance is a starter, but um, that like the thing for me, like the 49ers have gotten to this point in large part because of the defense, because of Kyle Shanahan's play calling uh, because of Debo Samuel and because of the, the, the run blocking and just sort of the way they can run the ball. Right. Like Jimmy Garoppolo is not one of the top four reasons in terms of on field production that the 49ers are winning. All those things we talked about, the the intangible stuff, all that stuff reigns true. But if you watch this team play, he's not one of the top four reasons why they're winning. So you will you do wonder, like what this team would look like with better quarterback play. And that that to me is is sort of the big underlying question for this season and whether or not Trey Lance could have could have lifted that ceiling. But if if the ceiling with Jimmy Garoppolo is the NFC championship game and maybe it's even you know, higher than that. Um, that's ultimately a pretty good thing. And then, you know, me and, and a lot of other people who called for Trey Lance, I think, you know, we'll, we'll eat some crow on that because Kyle Shanahan has proven us wrong. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I want to real quick put a pin in the in the quarterback thing and look ahead to the NFC Championship real quick. But quickly, Nick... Is there any chance Jimmy Garoppolo is quarterbacking this team next year? Well, as someone who's covered the league for a long time, I never say never to anything, and I won't say never, never to this. I, I I think it's very unlikely, and I think that the only way that the equation changes is if the 49ers win the Super Bowl and Jimmy Garoppolo plays very well over the next couple of weeks. But even if that happens, I still think that you would then have a much more marketable asset when it comes time to make a trade and there would be no better time to strike. And the hard part is, is yes, it would be hard to let him go in that scenario. But at the same time, part of the reason that you want to do this is because of the, first of all, the injury history, but also you want to take advantage of Trey Lance being potentially very good on a rookie contract. And, and so that's kind of where the rubber really meets the road is when the financials get involved. But I think that, I think the plan has been and remains that they're going to turn this thing over to Trey Lance. They're going to trade Jimmy. If, if Jimmy raises his value, it's a win-win, right? You, you, tra- you increase the trade value, which is beneficial for the 49ers. He bolsters his own value in terms of what he could you know, get on his next contract, which is very likely to come in the event of a trade. So, yeah, I think it's, I think it's highly unlikely. I also find it very amusing that people will say, well, what are the Niners going to do if Jimmy wins the Super Bowl? Oh gee, what a terrible problem to have! Yeah. Like, I don't, you know, like this is God. I'm sure they would just be devastated to have to make that decision. Like, yeah, it would be tough, but I mean, this is a team that traded DeForest Buckner away after going to the Super Bowl. I think they can make a tough decision and, and be certainly happy uh, as they make that through the vision of you know their six Super Bowl trophies. So, if, if it's always team... a funny mic drop. Oh yeah, what if they win the Super Bowl? <laughs> oh, you okay. got me. There. Oh. Like, I'm I sure mean, they'd we be should devastated. All retire. <laughs> I know it's obviously different circumstances and this was a long time ago, but if this team can trade Joe Montana, they, they can trade Jimmy Garoppolo after winning a Super Bowl. It's a great point. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, it, it, to, I, I, I'm completely with Nick. Like, I don't think there's I, aside from Jimmy Garoppolo throwing, you know, 10 touchdown passes and no interceptions in the next two games for, you know, 800 yards and winning Super Bowl MVP. I just really don't see any scenario where he comes back. And maybe me, I'm wrong on that, but that's that's just me. To me, if because we have a sample size, we have an entire season and a couple playoff games 
of Jimmy Garoppolo just being Jimmy Garoppolo. Like there wasn't some leap he took where it's like, oh man, like, dang, this guy could, you know, really make them like a, like a 14 win team. He's just, he kind of is who he is. And that's not, that's not to be disparaging, but I think at this point, if he comes back next year, I think it's more of a statement on what they think about Trey Lance's development than anything having to do with, with Jimmy Garoppolo and what they think of him as a quarterback. Yeah, and from what I've been told, they are very, very high on Trey Lance, and that is not just lip service, that they were very pleased with the progress he showed from his first start to his second, that they are their 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 belief in him has not wavered at all. And if anything, it's only strengthened. So I don't I don't think that's going to be the case. And I think honestly, and we've talked about this a little bit, I think that their value the way that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be valued around the league is is going to be better than people realize. This is a this Man. is a this is a supply and demand thing with quarterbacks, and especially if if Aaron Rodgers either retires or or doesn't get traded, and Russell Wilson doesn't get traded, which both of those things are possible. Maybe one of them goes somewhere. Who knows? We don't know what Deshaun Watson's situation is. the The rookie quarterback class isn't that isn't that good, and you've got a bunch of teams that are going to need quarterbacks. I talked to Mike Tannenbaum the other day. He thinks a dozen. And a lot of those teams are pretty good teams that if you get a middle of the road type of quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo, you're probably right back in the playoff mix. So I think that the, the market is going to be better than people expect simply because of the supply and demand thing. And again, the further Jimmy Garoppolo takes them, the higher, you know, the higher that value is going to go. And yeah. And, you know, Kyle made this point to us earlier today in the group chat. I know I wasn't supposed to mention the group chat, in this, uh, in <laughs> you this son of a but I wanted it. to give you credit for this point because I pulled up Jimmy Garoppolo's playoff numbers, which you pointed out. I mean, he's completing 60% of his 63% of his passes, two touchdowns, five picks. He's a 70.3 passer rating, but it's a little confounding, right? Cause the 49ers are five and one in his playoff starts. But you wonder, okay, like, is, is this a product of Kyle Shanahan and the roster around him? Or is Jimmy Garoppolo really doing a lot to help the 49ers win playoff games? I think he's doing very little to help them win playoff games. He's certainly not playing them out of playoff games, maybe with the, the exception of the Super Bowl against the Chiefs. But, like, you look at that, just those numbers, and you say, I think the 49ers could probably survive a quarterback change because ultimately Jimmy Garoppolo is not – the reason why they're winning these games. He has, he has a total QBR in his playoff career of 43, 25 quarterbacks have started at least five playoff games since 2006. That QBR is the lowest of, of the group of the, of those guys. So it just gives you an idea. And, and, and mm. we also should acknowledge he's obviously playing injured right now, which he is to be right. credited for, but at the same time, one of the reasons they traded up for Trey Lance is because Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt all the time. So, yes, you give him credit for being tough and playing through it. But at the same time, I'm not sure that that's going to be something that teams will look at and say, you know what? We love that about you. Even though you didn't play that well, we love that about you. You know, that got, you a lot of, got a lot of grit. Yeah. Um, I want to I want to look ahead to the NFC Championship game with you guys real quick. How impactful do you think 49er fan presence is going to be? at Levi at SoFi Stadium. I mean it it I think it matters based on how much you heard from the Rams about it. Right? Like the Rams yeah. players talking about, "Oh man, it really sucks that we had to go to a silent count." Like I I personally like don't didn't think it mattered all that much until you heard the Rams players talking about it. And you know, whether whether or not they should be talking about it is another discussion, but the fact that they were indicates to me 
that a it did affect them b they're kind of a team that maybe you can rattle a little easily and like that that stuff matters right when you're playing in the nfc championship game and if you're reading what's out there based on some of these ticket what these ticket sites are reporting it sounds like they're going to be more niner fans than there were in week 18 so yeah i i think it will matter um, if the 49, I mean, they're, the, the stakes are higher, obviously. So that more fans, the fans are going to be louder. It's going to be a more intense atmosphere. If the Rams have to be in a silent count on their home field, that's not great for them. Right? Like they, they didn't try to win all those games in the regular season to, to, to play like you know, they, they wanted to win so they could play at home. And when you have that advantage taken away from them, then, then that clearly matters. Yeah, the whole thing is is very amusing when it comes to the tickets and the the efforts to try to because I actually think that the the Rams doing that only emboldened 49ers fans further to try to make it happen, you know, to try to be in the building. Yep. And the whole point was, and Chris pointed this out on Twitter, is most of these people are buying their tickets on second the secondary market anyway. So it's like you can't stop that. You know, you can't put some sort of restriction on that and do that. But to in terms of how it affects the game, yeah, Chris is right. Like you heard Matthew Stafford, what did he call it? It was a tough environment in week at eight. Home. At home, in a home game. It was a tough environment. And and you know, and then his wife goes on, and then you've got Andrew Whitworth and his wife, and, and Lord knows what what she was drinking the other night when she was tweeting about it. Like there was all these things going on, and the more that they're thinking about that stuff, the more the the Niners are are loving it because they're focused on the game and they're thinking about the game, and they're only going to be buoyed by having you know their their fans there. And so I think that is a um, it is an advantage. I don't know how much in terms of what you know you can't quantify it, but maybe with penalties, you know, the the Rams had I think. A false start late in that game in week 18 things like that 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 do make a difference and actually do impact the game and, I, and I the fact of, that i kind of think it speaks to the overall idea that like the rams or the 49ers are are in the rams head and, and maybe more specifically kyle shanahan's and sean mcveigh's head right like i think mm-hmm. the fake field goal in week 10 was sort of a product of that i think mcveigh going to celebrate with his players uh when they went up 17 nothing in week 18 kind of spoke wow. to that Right. And like this stuff, organizationally, the Rams trying really hard to make sure 49ers fans don't get those tickets. Like, I think that kind of speaks to it. So, like, I think the 49ers, aside from on the field stuff in their six in their six game winning streak over the Rams, like, I think all that stuff matters. Like, just organizationally, the Niners seem to be in the Rams head. I think the fact that players are going home and talking to their wives about this at such a rate that the wives are going on their podcasts and on Twitter trying to buy tickets from people is bananas. Like that more than anything tells you that these guys are not just saying it to the media. They're going home and being like, that sucked to the point that their wives are like, yeah, Hey, we'll buy the tickets. I just, I, I was shocked by that. Because that seems like the kind of thing that you wouldn't want. Because like you, like you guys said, it emboldened the fans to... I have so many friends who are Niner fans who are going. And I think they were spurred on by the idea of the Rams being like, no, you can't come. Plus, there's hella Niner fans in Southern California. I, that, I talked to... <laughs> that alone, I talk to a, like... I talked to a guy who lives in my apartment building. He was a huge Niners fan, and he always asked questions about the Niners and stuff like that. And and I asked him if he was going, and he said, he said, yeah. I said, do you mind if I ask you how much you paid for your tickets? He said, oh, I bought them on StubHub. And I said, how much did you pay? And he said, 
he said 1300 a piece. And I said, I said, so like, what was your, like, when you went into this, did you have like a number? And he's like, yeah, I didn't want to go over a thousand a ticket. And I said, well, you went, you went, so you went to 1300 and he goes, yeah, he goes, when they started putting the restrictions in, I pretty much just told myself, I was just going to, I was just going to pay, you know, whatever. Like I was just going to, I was, I'm going to be in the building. So there you go. Example. He could have paid less had he used tickpick.com, the no fee ticket site. <laughs> so you let him know next time. Tickpick.com slash candlestick. Uh, bigger. I'm, I'm not sure that he didn't, but yes. <laughs> uh, bi- bigger, uh, his 49er fandom or the hallways in your apartment building. We'll leave that up to Chris. Uh, Chris is the expert <laughs> on apartment apartment building hallways. Nobody loves a good apartment building hallway like Chris Peterman. In fairness, I've I've lived in newer style or like newly built apartment buildings like Nick does, but my hallways weren't like ten feet wide like his were, and it was just a little jarring. It's like you're used to be, you know, you go to a hotel, you go to apartment building, you're you have an expectation in your head of what a hallway is going to look like, and Nick's hallways just blew it out the water, and I just commented on it. And I've been hearing about it for months now. <laughs> you could carry a couch in there like long ways, easily. Yeah. It probably it's makes more... it so easy to move in. It's mover friendly. So shouts to Nick. Congratulations <laughs> on that. Thank you. Well, it was the number one factor in why I chose to live where I live. It's like, I, I always like, okay, like what's the price? Sure. That's fine. But give me them hallway dimensions. Let's figure this thing out. So. <laughs> goes to his goes to a realtor and she's like what are the three what are the three things location location and nick's like hallway size hallway size hallway size exactly that's what matters exactly. the most yeah. <laughs> uh nick <laughs> i don't it doesn't matter what i wonder what the hallway size is like at sofi stadium <laughs> am i right uh transitions <laughs> great rejoinder absolutely nick do you think the 49ers are gonna win yeah, I do. My uh, my initial my initial feeling is that they are going to win. Um, and it's funny because you know, we do this whole thing where it's like, oh, it's hard to beat the same team three times in one year, or it's hard to beat the same team seven times in a row. And I just don't like it's it's like the roulette wheel, right? Like you can spin it six times and it lands on black, and the odds of it landing on black the seventh time are the same as the previous six times. It's just. It, it's all comes it all comes down to the same things and it's all the things that you talked about earlier Kyle when you were talking about the reason the Niners turn the season around can they win the turnover battle can they get to Matthew Stafford with just rushing four and not having blitz because Matthew Stafford absolutely destroys the blitz can they run the ball you know it's 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 the same things that have determined these games that they've played against the Rams in the past and and, and that is what it really comes down to it's not about the history it's not about any of that stuff and I just think when I watch the Rams and when I watch the Niners, the Niners are a bad matchup for the Rams. And, you know, maybe the Niners are just a bad matchup for a lot of teams because their style is so unique and that bully ball is, is, is what they are. So maybe that's part of it. Cause I feel like we've said that about the Cowboys. We said that about the Packers in some ways, and we're saying it again uh, against the Rams. But when I, I'm not going to sit here and say the Rams can't win the game. I just think that the 49ers at the end of the day, because of how battle tested they are, because of a lot of the things that we talked about, are better positioned to do the things that need to be done to win the game and not based on anything else. Yeah. Let's, let's keep in mind that the Rams turned the ball over four, <clears throat> four times in Tampa Bay and they nearly blew, or they did blow a 27 to three lead. So, you know, they, they obviously earn the right to be here. You, you, nobody like lucks into an NFC championship game, right. but they're not a team that feels like it's clicking 
uh, all that well. And, and, you know, I know the 49ers didn't play particularly well on offense in green Bay, but you know, neither did the Packers, neither did the, be- did the best quarterback in the NFL play well in those conditions. Right. And, and obviously some of that's a 49ers defense, but I think that was always going to be a low scoring game. So I, I think the 49ers are going into this game in a better place than the Rams are. I think the fact that, you know, the 49ers have the mental edge for all those, all, all those reasons we mentioned earlier, including the six game winning streak. I think, um, I think Debo Samuel right now is a super unique player who is just doing things that we've never really seen before and gives the 49ers a huge advantage. And I think we haven't seen that game from George Kittle yet. Right. And we know the Rams are banged up in, in, you know, at safety and in the middle of their defense. Um, So I I think they're going to be able to run the ball. Right. And we'll see about Trent Williams. And I think the Niners defense is really humming right now. And I think D'Amico Ryans is doing a hell of a job. And I think they know how to defend the Rams. So I think the 49ers do have all these advantages and yeah, they should win. If I'm, you know, you can, I, I, we talked, we talked about it after, you know, the 49ers last three games, right? Is this a successful season? It's absolutely a successful season, but I'm to the point now, given that they're playing the Rams that like they should expect to go and beat them, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is a team they've beaten six straight times. And I know the points for it. it's kind of wild to me that the, that the Rams are favored by as much as they are. I would say the Rams should probably be like a one or two point favorite given they're the home team, but I digress. I just think that now we're to the point now where the 49ers should be disappointed if they don't get to the Super Bowl because they are playing the Rams. <laughs> and so uh, we'll, we'll ultimately, I mean, we'll get the answer on Sunday, but like, I think I, I, I'm sort of expecting the 49ers to win it because I do think they have the mental edge and I think they're just playing better as a team right now. On some level though, go ahead, Kyle, go ahead. On some level though, when you're facing a team this good, there's this, there's this like feeling of like, like there's a bill that's coming due. Like at some point, like you're going to lose to a team that's this good. Like you're just going to have a ball that doesn't bounce your way. Even if you're a good matchup, like the, it's going to be close but like you're going to get a weird interception or a weird fumble that just like kind of just, and it doesn't quite go your way. As somebody, yeah. who, I think there's an aspect of that. Too. As somebody who played baseball in his formative years in life, when I was in a hitting slump and I hadn't gotten a hit in 10 at bats, I did not feel more confident that I would get a hit because statistics would say I'm due. Yeah. <laughs> like to it's, me, well, that's not something that that existed, at least in me, for me as a baseball player. I focused well, on my war still being high because of my awesome defense. Go ahead. Nick. And well, no. And that's the thing too. Like if the Rams win, it's not because the Rams were due to win. It's because they <laughs> did the things. It's because they did the things that we talked about, right? Like that they, they won the turnover battle and they were better on third down and mm-hmm. they were better running the ball and all those things. Like that's really what it comes down to. And it's not like, Oh, you know, like, all these things change because boy, it's been a while since we beat the 49ers. Like that's just not how this works. And the same is true. Like I've seen people say, well, like, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't had a good game in a while. He's due for one. Well, like, no, like, is, is he able to read coverage and get the ball where it needs to go? And is the protection there and all that kind of stuff? Those are the things that are going to determine whether Jimmy Garoppolo has a good game, not because he hasn't had one in a little while. So uh, I understand, like, it's funny, right? This time of year with fans, and I get it. I totally get it. I don't begrudge them this, but there's a lot of like emotional management that goes on. Right. So if you're a fan of the Niners, you're saying like, 
yeah, like we should win, but it just feels like it's going to be tough because the Rams haven't beat us in a while. And maybe that just makes you feel better, like going in with low expectations. Then if they exceed them, you can be happier. Or maybe the opposite is true. And you say, oh, we have this streak and this is this is why we're going to win. And I feel really confident about it. And the reality is you probably don't feel that confident at all because it's these are high stakes things, right? This is a huge game and everything is on the line. And so I understand all that. At the end of the day, we just, we just spent over an hour or whatever it is talking about this, but when when it comes down to it, it, it always comes back to the same things, the turnovers, the third downs, the how are you in the red zone? Like those are the things, blocking and tackling, like the basics, like that is what this ultimately comes down to. And we, we analyze it on a, on a much deeper level and we try to talk about intangibles and all that stuff does matter. But the things that matter the most that ultimately determine the outcome of games have been tried and true for years and they're not going to change this Sunday. And I think you look at, you know, the re- one of the reasons why the 49ers won in week 18 was the pass rush in the defensive line, right? Eric Armstead had two and mm-hmm. a half sacks in that game. DJ Jones had a sack. Um, since Samson Ebukam, former Ram, has come on here in the play- and played pretty well in the playoffs, Nick Bosa had two sacks in-, in Green Bay. And, like, we don't know what's happening with Andrew Whitworth, right? Like, it, it sounds like he's going to come back, but he didn't play last week against Tampa He's not the youngest guy in the world, obviously. And, you know, the 49ers have a pretty significant advantage there if they line Nick Bosa up against him. So to me, the pass rush really could be the great the great neutralizer of that Rams offense, right? And we know how well the 49ers defense has been playing lately. So if the 49ers defensive line continues to play at a high level, I think that's ultimately the biggest mismatch on the field Sunday that favors the 49ers. And I think you know, they could, the, the defensive line could potentially dominate the game and, and it it would be really hard for the Rams to win if that were the case. I've been using the term ascension to the mean a lot with Jimmy Garoppolo, just so you guys know. <laughs> like it he feels needs, like he needs to ascend to the mean, like he's, he's going, it to just feels like they're in a There's an ascension to the mean coming. Like he mm-hmm. has one of his 21 for 27 for two eighty and two touchdown games. And and the reason, the reason he will just do feels that feels like it. <laughs> well, well, the reason he will do that is not because he's due, though, Kyle. It's because he's played right, well. Right. It's because he's played well against the Rams, right? right. Like, this is a team that he's put numbers. His last game, most recently, that he put up numbers was week 18. What did he throw for right. 320 that day? Like, that's that, yeah. yeah, something like that. So that that is the thing where it's like it's a matchup-driven thing, right? Like, that's the ascension to the mean based on the matchup, right? Just they they sit down in, in offensive meetings this week. We're like, hey, no game plan, guys. Jimmy's due. Jimmy Hill, right? Just do. He's gonna play well. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Take a day off. (laughs) All right. Uh, this has been terrific. Uh, super excited for Sunday's game. Glad the 49ers are still playing, and we're not looking ahead to the draft by now, which is a which is pretty refreshing. I'm seeing mock drafts come out. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't matter. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't have first round picks anyway. You're not putting out your second round mock drafts, Kyle. Is that what you're saying? Oh, when DraftWire does a two round mock, your boy is in it. (laughs) I am in there, deep in the cornerback class. Um, I'm just, I'm real fired up. I'm real fired up about about the uh the mid-round cbs this year for sure uh nick thanks so much for for stopping by we will have pods for you uh this will drop wednesday kevin clark from the ringer is going to join us that'll drop thursday and then we'll have our typical pod that comes out friday what what, what are you taking your head for because i wanted to do pick six and i got i got i got i got messed up out of it i mean do you want to could... do you want to jump on thursday as well just for pick six no 
special edition? <laughs> no, I'm mad at Chris, not you, Kyle. I think I feel like okay. Chris did this. My only demand to come on the pod is I wanted to do pick six, but it's fine. I think I think Chris is like overly protective of it, you know. <laughs> no, I, it is I, Kyle. That, that hold on, pick six is Kyle's baby. I want yeah, that to be clear. But you're the one that pushed me from Thursday to Tuesday, so. Well, I was I was trying to think of because like I, I find myself repeating a lot of the things I say if we pod like early in the week without a guest because I'll just repeat what I said after the game recap pod, and so it's important that we got a guest and we're like, well, Nick wants to do it. He said he'd be down, so well, it's that's kind of what good, it came down to. Well, good thing Kyle pr- brought up the wide hallway situation because I'm <laughs> sure that won't come up again on Thursday or any other future pod. Well, just, and and hey, Nick, I want you to know that it was Chris who just said you are. Our- break open in case of emergency guests yeah oh i caught that i absolutely caught that no how about is, how about this, this? all going to be remembered if if the 49ers first of all the invite is open for you to come on and do pick six thursday so i want that to be abundantly clear if you don't come on thursday and the 49ers happen to win we should do a pick nine ahead of the super bowl and definitely have you on where we all pick, pick three guys pick nine that just doesn't doesn't sound right but all right all right pick six on. pick six pick six and a field goal See what I what I want to do is I want to like I, I want to show up to the pick six like on my own and you guys not expect it like right in the middle of your podcast and I just pop up. But the problem is this is Chris Biederman's personal Zoom room and I can't get I can't get in without permission. So you know he's got his own little thing. It, you got to have the key and I don't have the key. So you I actually not, do. I it's the same link. It it's the same link every time. So the link that's in the group chat but he right still now won't let me in. He has to let me in still. Oh, that's it's a great room. point. I, if you if you showed up as trying to enter the room, I would definitely let you in. There's no. I like I, I like I like thinking that Chris Chris has this like Zoom room where he's like writing in his diary and he keeps the door locked <laughs> and like he won't he won't let anybody in until he's gotten all of his deep personal thoughts on why. Right. It's it's 2022. Just... I don't have a diary. I have a personal video blog. <laughs> <laughs> he has the Zoom. He's just on Zoom all the time. And when he wants to see someone, he lets someone into the room. Who's going to show up today? Uh, (laughs) It's like a bad sitcom, right? Like (laughs) Eric Branch. Eric Branch has been in the waiting room for six weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Just waiting his turn. We can't can't do that to our guy. We love Branch. Uh, All right, Nick, this is great. Thanks, man. Thanks, Nick. (laughs) See you on Thursday, maybe. Maybe. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.